Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. In the ever-evolving marketplace of the digital age, brands face the formidable challenge of reaching customers and resonating with them on a deeper level. The site Funnel Amplified shows that consistency in branding efforts can bolster a company's revenue by up to 33%. This stat underscores the significance of a cohesive strategy in unlocking market appeal, a multifaceted approach that harmonizes technology, storytelling, and value alignment to meet and exceed customer expectations. This week, Shannon Peel, author, speaker, and owner of Market Appeal, joins us to discuss telling the right story to the right audience at the right time to gain the authority you need to build a trusted brand. Grab a copy of my book, Customer Transformation, a seven-stage strategy for customer alignment and business value. This is your essential guide for customer success in the digital age. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or my website. And to support the show, visit chrishood.com show, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, follow us on social media, or you can email me directly, show at chrishood.com. I'm Chris Hood, and let's get connected. Connecting. granted it's the chris hood digital show where global business and technology leaders meet to discuss strategy innovation and digital acceleration five four three two one your digital evolution starts now here's your host chris hood Let's meet our guest, Shannon. Would you mind introducing yourself? Thank you, Chris, for having me on today. I really appreciate it. I'm Shannon Peel. I'm the creative genius behind the, the brand Market Appeal, where I help you create appeal for your story in the marketplace. We do that by telling brand stories and helping you to know what you want to be known for. There's a lot of things that I want to be known for that I didn't realize I need to be known for, and I didn't actually start thinking about it until recently, when we think about not just branding and storytelling, we also, a lot of what I focus on is the customer story, is understanding what customers want to know about your company, about your brand. How do you kind of break this down from a perspective of your own personal brands versus a, a company's brand? Well, I just split the idea of personal branding into or brand storytelling into two different buckets. You've got your personal brand storytelling and a brand or a company can have a personal brand story too. This is when you're standing on stage and the audience really is standing behind you and they're experiencing the story through your viewpoint, your point of view. You know the story that you're telling. They don't. Um, one day I went to a a comedy show. It was during COVID. And I thought, Hey, you know what? We finally here in Canada got the chance to go outside. And I thought, well, I'll go to this comedy show. It sounds like fun. So I get there and they get up to, to give their, you know, do their spiel and stuff. And I didn't find any of it funny. It wasn't landing with me. And it's not because they weren't funny. They were funny. Everybody else in the room was laughing. I was probably the oldest in the room by about 20 years. So they were telling jokes about being single, being gay, getting high, getting drunk. And I'm, you know, I'm a divorced woman with two grown kids who 
wasn't in that scene even when I was young. So it wasn't landing with me because it wasn't relating to me. Now, a personal, so they were telling a personal brand story. They get up on stage, they talk about themselves and their experiences and their points of view, and people find them. So the rest of the audience already knew that they wanted to be there. That's personal brand storytelling. Business brand storytelling would be like me going to that same comedy club, standing up on stage, knowing that everyone in the audience is 20 years younger than me, wants to party, is finds jokes about getting drunk and um, high and everything else, extremely hilarious. And me getting up there and then telling them their stories, even though it's not my own story, I'm talking about their experiences. I'm guiding them through the story, but they're having to fill in all the gaps with their own experience. It's the difference between showing a story and telling a story. As a narrator of a brand story, I have a very limited point of view. I, I don't know everything about the audience. So I, it's really important that the right audience is in place. And I know that they're going to find it funny because I've asked questions. I've determined what, who's there and what they're interested in and what motivates them. But that means I have to first understand my ideal audience. Yeah, I think it's critical to understand who the audience is. And that's one of the biggest challenges that most companies have is they don't actually know who their customer is. And we're also seeing this break out across larger companies who believe they know who their customers are, and then they realize that they probably don't, or they do something like a marketing campaign and lose those customers. Yes. And sorry, I just was going to say, we do see that, especially in these social justice movements, when they jump on the justice movement train, like Pepsi did, and does this commercial with one of the Jenner girls and, and a bunch of protesters and gets just vilified for it. And the reason they were vilified for it was because they didn't understand the mentality of the protesters, because they're very vocal and they don't like people jumping on bandwagons that aren't supposed to be there. And they didn't understand that. So you have to really understand the market, the people that you want to talk to, and you have to know them as well as a novelist knows their hero. Yeah, it's really a good point because if we were to say, look, we need to come up with a story and we don't necessarily know who the audience is, we have to begin building some assumptions or we're going to have to go figure out who the audience is. Anytime I go and speak publicly, first thing I ask is who's in the audience and I will cater my story to who's there. That's based on that input. Now it's very hard for people to then adapt that story if they realize it's not resonating. You're using a great example of a comedy club and it may not resonate with you, but everybody else in the audience is fine. But if you're up on stage or if you're in a sales call and you've got 20 people in front of you and you see half of them are tuning out, you're going to have to make some spontaneous, real-time adjustments to what you're talking about. And that insight of the audience in real time is also pretty challenging. It is. I, you know, I'm, one of the things I'm a real expert is, is telling the you story. 
And that's telling a story in the second person. This is not something that we learn. We learn how to tell stories in the first person. We learn how to tell stories in the third person. But telling a story in the second person is really business storytelling. And it's what commercials are about. It's what advertising is about. If you, oh, okay, I'm going to do something with you here, okay? I need you to close your eyes because I want you to use this. I want you to get the surreal effect of this. Now, it is hot. It is so hot. You can see the heat waves coming up off the ground. You feel a bead of sweat drip down your face and off your chin. Your mouth is all gunky and sticky and you're just so thirsty because it's so hot. All you want is something to drink. Guess what? You have something. Reach out for it. Now, this is where a brand could say what, you know, Coke would say, here, grab a Coke. Pepsi would say, grab a Pepsi. But that is a you story. That is me putting you in the experience and having you fill in all those details because where you are during that heat wave is going to be somewhere different than someone else who is in a heat wave. It's a great visual. And look, I totally agree with you on this. I use the you stories often when I'm talking with clients or in public. It helps them put themselves into that scenario that you want them to be in. Now, what's interesting about what you're talking about from a soda perspective is there's a great visual in there. And also to your point, marketing is building those visuals, building those scenarios. Advertising is about connecting on an emotional level with who you're trying to attract as a customer. But one of the areas that I think is very interesting from a technical perspective is how we are engaging with the brands that that we are passionate about. So you mentioned visualizing drinking a soda, but we spend most of our time on our mobile devices, we're touching advertisements, we're watching videos, we're listening to podcasts as as we're doing right now, yet the devices and, and the ways that individuals are now connecting with brands is also evolving. We have virtual reality, we have audio, visual, our, our voice services like Alexa or Google Home in our homes, our smart cars. There's lots of things that we are able to use to build those stories. How are companies going to continue to leverage these new technologies in order to either expand the story or reach other types of senses? Well, we all talk about Web 3.0 or the virtual, or what is it, meta, you know, the metaverse. You know, the metaverse has been around for a while. My kids were playing Club Penguin when they were little. That was like 20 years ago. So, you know, we've had the metaverse for a while. It's just in a virtual world that we can connect with each other through by, by being avatars. Now we have the glasses where, you know, where, where we can, the virtual reality where we can feel like we're immersed in that, in that place. And gamers, they're in that virtual reality all the time. That's where they, they like to live. Uh, now, when I, well, oh, 10 years ago, I was doing, it was checking out all these virtual worlds and there was a Coke machine. So if you were thirsty, you could go and buy a virtual Coke. 
and your avatar could then have a drink. Companies now are talking with, with NFTs and stuff are now talking about creating uh, like Ferraris and Lamborghinis that you can buy for your avatar that you can then create this persona in this virtual world uh, to reflect who you want to be and what you want to be known for, which may have nothing to do with what you can afford and what you are in the real world. So that there's this real disconnect that's happening in there. Another way that they could do it, and it was probably going to happen in another 10, 20 years. I mean, 10 years ago, it was at Disney and you go to the video, you go into the, the ride and it's just watching the movie. I think it was ants and you're sitting on the, on your seat. And as the movie's playing, you get poked. It's poking you. It's suggesting that ants are running behind you and you're feeling like ants are running behind you. It sprays water on you. There's smells coming. They fill the room with a different smell of earth or whatever it was. So you were getting a real multi-sensual or sensational experience while you were watching the, the movie. And I, we're going to have that in our homes in 10 to 20 years from now. It just takes that long for technology to get to a commercial, commercialized version. I mean, my mom bought a microwave back in the 80s. It was $800 for a microwave. Now you can get one for less than $99 at Walmart. And back in the 80s, you know, that was when you compare how much it was to a car, $800 was like a couple thousand dollars for a microwave. So once it becomes commercially viable, we're going to see that technology in our homes. Yeah, we call them touch points today. I think it's a term that most people in marketing understand. You, you have your customer journey. You have the different touch points along that journey. To me, you can't even call them touch points anymore because you're not touching anything. If you're in a position where you can visualize and smell something, the next stage of virtual reality is you've got a virtual reality helmet on. You can watch the ocean. You can listen to the sounds and you can smell the salt in the air. If we can get to that point, maybe like you said, in, in 10 years or so, then that changes how we tell stories, how brands and companies engage. I'm thinking we can stick with fast food or, or soft drinks. You know, the, the smell of Pepsi is probably not one that you can instantly think about. But if we go to, say, Taco Bell, and now I have a virtual reality of a taco and I can smell the taco or pizza and have a reaction like, oh, I'm smelling the pizza. My, my eyes are on this juicy, lovely pizza in front of me and I can smell it. Now I want it and have it delivered by drone, you know, in a couple of minutes. Right. That's the change of storytelling from a company perspective and those consumer journeys you're talking about. Exactly. I mean, 20 or 20, 30 years ago, when I was sitting there watching TV, you'd see the commercial, you go, oh, yeah, I would really love a Big Mac right now. But you weren't going to get one until you went out again. So but by then, you know, you don't really want it. You don't really feel like it. You don't even think of it. But what COVID has done is it has sped up our it is sped up technology in that we are now more comfortable in our homes. We are now more comfortable with interacting like we are right now. We're feeling more comfortable utilizing technology and having food delivered to us. There's more these corporations or these companies that have popped up to deliver food to us have in, are enabling this stuff to happen. 
drones are the next step, right? So I know a guy who uh, ha- runs a drone company and they were in the, the Ukraine and they had these rig huge drones that were delivering supplies into war-torn areas of the Ukraine utilizing their drones. So it's coming and we'll be here quicker than we want than we think. Going back to something you were talking about a moment ago, uh, virtual reality, video games, building personas, we're seeing this as common practice where we have our online persona and we have our real life persona. And sometimes they're the same. In most cases, they're not. We tend to build this glorious brand for our own selves, this persona that's not really realistic. And yet companies have to figure out ways to maintain a consistency in their story when they know that in different areas, different platforms, you could have one persona on Facebook, a different persona on Instagram, and a third persona on, we'll call it X slash Twitter. And those three platforms with different personas, companies are still communicating their brand in a consistent way that may not necessarily be resonating in the same way as what we use that platform for. Well, let me ask you this. How many times have you bought something at a company and needed to call customer service and the company has stated that they are all about the customer and the customer experience, and then you go and you need to talk to the, co- the, the company and all of a sudden it all falls apart? Right. I had this conversation with my son a few months ago where he was trying to get something fixed. And he's like, well, I, why can't we just talk to a customer service person? Wouldn't that be great? And I'm sitting there going, this kid has never lived in a world where customer service people answer the phone as an adult. Right. He's just now an adult and everything is press one, press two, get it online. And he's finding it very frustrating. So when there is a disconnect, there is a break in our trust. And it's easy to break trust. It's very hard to earn it. So companies, and one of the things that companies aren't understanding is who they are at their core and what the real deliverable that they can promise is. So by understanding themselves enough and understanding what their core, like let's take their core values. By understanding what their core value is, let's say they're one of their core values is customer service great you know being you know engaged with the customer engaged with the customer engagement that's one of the their main values but everyone at the top all those executives when you look at them individually none of them behave in a manner that would that would make you think that that is important to them they're never going to be able to deliver on that value. They're never going to be able to deliver on that promise. They have to first understand what is really important to them as a group and how what's natural for them in behavior, what's natural for them in their uh, promises. You know, our value system is what drives us. It's what helps us make a decision. It's what how we utilize words when we're in stressful situations, it's our value system that determines how we come across. Once you've done that, once the the top has done that and really figured out their top three or five values, 
then they can start constructing stories to showcase how they do that, how they in their natural lives have done that. And then from there, they can start attracting other people to them that have those value systems. When they're that clear, they can then hire people that have that same clarity. So no matter where the customer comes in to that company, to touch the touch points of that company, they are getting that experience and that value and it's consistent. But that's a theory. I mean, in theory, it works. In reality, you can't always hire people. There's not always the labor. There, there are lacking things and there's all these problems. But if the leadership doesn't adopt and, ex- and elicit that behavior, nobody else in the company will. And then the cu- customers will be disappointed, trust will be broken, and you'll have a bait and switch. I wrote a book recently called Customer Transformation, and I dedicate most of the book to that philosophy, is how do you align your business's values, your internal and leadership values with the consumer values? What are they looking for? And again, we touched on this earlier. There's a lot of organizations out there who are losing lots of business and losing customers because the value alignment between them internally and externally is just not there. And it's critical, whether it's from your customer support perspective or whether it's from building customer journeys or your storytelling, you've got to maintain that alignment in order to maintain success, especially as people have the capability to quickly move to a competitor, quickly be disrupted, quickly get agitated, irritated with you and your brand. I don't have any support. I'm moving on. I was ordering pizza. Going back to pizza, I was ordering pizza from Pizza Hut a couple of nights ago. I had an error pop up when I was adding my pizza into the cart. I got frustrated. I left and went to Domino's and ordered the exact same pizza. That's how quick you can lose a sale. And it's all about that alignment you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the big, the big corporations have the resources to do this. They have the resources to put these things in place and be con- consistently and constantly testing the system to make sure that it works. It's much harder for a small company and a solopreneur to do the same thing. So they need to be even tighter on those um, pl- promises that they make. And they have to really understand, you know, if I'm saying I value integrity, but I can't make it on time to anything, I'm going to have a real problem in my business. So understanding what a word really means or what a value really is is very important when you go and tell that values-based story to the marketplace and make those promises to customers. Because you can't you can't go at it as, oh, I think customers really want this and I think customers really want that. So there's this idea of understanding what your customer wants, but you still have to understand what you can naturally deliver. And this is when you're talking about personal branding and you're talking about your eye store, eye first person story. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. You have to be very, very clear on that. So you are attracting people who want that, who understand that and who are willing to put up with you being late for appointments because that doesn't really matter to them either. Yes, I agree. One of the other areas of storytelling, or we can call it a gimmick. We can call it a 
classic is the choose your own adventure story. And a lot of companies today are looking for ways to personalize their customer experience. And we don't have to necessarily get into artificial intelligence and leveraging AI to be able to further personalize that experience. But, but everybody is talking about personalization and everybody believes that the ability to personalize is the end-all solution to building sales and, and happy customers. And yet, again, we find that customers still have a choice. Personalization process, which I allude to, is a choose-your-own-adventure, still has to come with an understanding and empathy of the customer and their values. Well, I, you know, this is another thing that I, I'm glad that you brought it up. I mean, this is what I, I do. I create these choose-your-own-adventure books uh, in that, you know, you start at the top of your funnel where it's about people don't really know who you are yet. They're just, they're seeing you, finding you. So you have to have something up there in order for them to engage, buy in, uh, trigger some sort of interest. So you have to invite them to something, but you have to keep it really simple, right? You're inviting them to one thing. So I invite people to events based on one event, how to stand out online, how to go beyond trauma for a better life, how to be a successful man in the 21st century. These are very specific things. And as soon as that's triggered, that become, then I create a book out of that. You know, we do an event, we do a book, and this book is a multimedia interactive digital experience. This is not something you can buy on Amazon. You just can't. Uh, and it is a book. It's using flipbook technology. But when you flip, there is the, the video is embedded. The podcast is embedded. There's things to click and places to go. You can go through and think, oh, yeah, but I want to know more about this specific thing. Like if we take how to be a successful man in the 21st century, it then has to be organized in which way do you want to go? Do you want to go here, here, or here? And they click and that takes them to that page. Just like we, you know, when we were kids in the library, you had the story and you'd, you'd read down and go, okay, you want to do this or that? Pay, go to page five or go to page 25. It's kind of that same idea. But you can, now I have to do it utilizing this this technology that I can afford, corporations can do it, utilizing some pretty interesting technology out there where you can either do it with your website, where you go, okay, we're, there's three options. And here's the thing, you can't have 20 options. Our brain will not make a decision if there's too many options. Three is my favorite number. Three has always been my favorite number. It is the magic storytelling number. So I always have to say have three options. Go here, here, here. And then they can go to those things. Like these front pages that have all, I mean, I'm pretty bad too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we all have these options on our front page of our website and people can't make a decision as to where they need to go. Uh, so really structuring your website, um, your app, your whatever it is that you can do in order to guide people through a specific path. Um, you know, I use, I use multiple pl platforms. So they come into the event, then there's the book, they get an e-newsletter and whether they open, click or do nothing determines the next, the next step that they go on, on through that newsletter story. Uh, from there, there's, would you want to go to this community, that community? Like you have to really map out how you want people to go through this story but at the same time, 
you have to invite. It's always about inviting them. Invite them to take that next step. Invite them, say, hey, are you interested in this? Or are you interested in this? And then determine based on their behavior, whether they're clicking, because you can see whether they're clicking on your website and that's when you're getting all these uh, auto marketing automation where they click there. Oh, now they get an email about something, but don't make the email a sale something, make the email something that that's interesting to them. That's going to give them a little bit more information, a bonus, you know, uh, like my books have a little Easter eggs where the doesn't say click or anything. And then all of a sudden it'll pop up and say, Hey, click here because you've stayed on a page long enough. So, and I know that you're interested in that topic because you stayed on that page long enough. So you can do things like that with your website. You can do things um, like that with apps, but try to do things where you're also going into the real world. You can do all of this stuff with marketing and it's great, but until you meet someone in the real world, it's not a connection, especially if you're a small business. I mean, if you're a big corporation like Coca-Cola or you got a product that you're selling on the the stores, shelves at Walmart, that's different. But if you're a small company or a solopreneur or you, you, you know, you sell books or services or programs, you have to talk to people in the real world because until that happens, trust is not there. You have, don't have a connection. You don't not, they may know who you are. They may see your name. You may be in their inbox, inbox every month, but they do not know you until they talk to you. The human connection is a critical component. And I would argue that even for the Pepsis of the world, they should be constantly in touch with their customers through human connection, not just random emails or campaigns or research, you know, surveys. This has to be a continuous conversation that is happening in uh, some form of reality because that human connection is so critical. Do you remember the, uh, the Pepsi taste, cha- the cola taste challenge? And that's why Coke, Coke was losing that, that taste challenge. And that's why they, they came up with new Coke, which actually just tasted like Pepsi. Uh, there's a funny story around that. When Coke came up with the new Coke, all the people at Pepsi at the top of Pepsi were a little bit scared. Like, okay, what are they coming up with? What's cause they, Pepsi was number two. So they were sitting in their board, their board, boardroom. They all had the new Coke there and they opened it up. They tasted it and they started laughing and they started laughing because it tasted like Pepsi. But I would argue that the reason that Pepsi was winning the taste challenge on the street was because it was a taste challenge on the street. Pepsi and Coke do Pepsi and Coke do taste very different. But when Pepsi was there, who's coming to the taste challenge? Is it Pepsi people or Coke people? Probably more Pepsi people. And they're interacting with their customers in the real world. They're creating this story that they were able to do commercials about. They were saying, hey, look, we're winning the taste test. We're winning the taste. We're winning the taste challenge. Why are you winning the taste challenge? Because Pepsi drinkers are showing up and they like Pepsi. But Coke took it as, oh no, we're losing market share because they weren't understanding what was going on. But It's about that connection in the real world. And if you can connect with people, you'll go a lot further. Um, You really have to understand where where your audience is. Like Pepsi and Coke can go and pay for these events way around the world. A small business can't. So you have to figure out, okay, where are my customers? Can I be there? If you are global like I am, and you are as well, you know, if you're going to on a vacation or you're going to speak at some 
event somewhere else, putting out to people who know you, hey, I'm going to be in such and such a city. I'm going to be having coffee here one day. Come by and meet me for coffee. Before COVID, I used to do this a lot because I would go to a coffee shop, work out of a coffee shop, and I would just put it on social media and in my email, hey, I'm at this coffee shop today. If you want to check, drop on in. And that's how people got to know me. And we can do that if we're even if you're like there for a day. And then we can look forward to a virtual reality session where we can actually smell and taste the coffee and have an interactive conversation as if we were in person, even if we are remotely thousands of miles away. But I would say, you know, I mean, I've been in these virtual worlds that are going on right now with these avatars. It's still a disconnect. It's still a disconnect unless you can be there and you're sitting there, like you're sitting in a green room, they're sitting in a green room. And now you all feel like you're sitting at a coffee shop, but we're seeing our real faces. We're having, we're a bit, we're able to really look at each other in the eye because right now I'm looking at the camera, not at you. That's really without that, we're going to have some problems. And because People want to hide behind avatars. They want to hide behind this perfection that they want to establish as perfection and look perfect. As long as we do that, we're going to, the virtual will not connect us. How can people get in touch with you? Well, you just go to marketappeal.com and that's where everything is. Great. And I'll have that link on our website as well so that people can find you. Thank you so much. It's been an insightful conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I just love talking about this stuff. And of course, thanks to all of you who are listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review. Your feedback helps us improve and grow. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, you can connect with us throughout social media and online at Chris Hood Show. And please share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, or anyone else looking to grow their business and start their own digital evolution. Until next week, take care and stay connected.